Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Motorsports. This is your host, Tyree Waldron, sitting here with the most beautiful co-host known to man, my beautiful wife, Naja. Baby, say hey. Hey. And how are you doing on this wonderful, wonderful weekend? I'm doing pretty good. That's it? Just yeah, pretty good? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I had yeah. a good dinner, you know, got the the uh, little thunderstorm going on. You know, I love the little sound of thunder. So, you know, I'm at home, cozy. All right. All right. I mean, technically, you are my wife, so this is kind of odd question to ask, but <laughs> what's new with you? Um, nothing. I'll start school next week. Mm. Excited, but not really because more work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be starting back work and stuff next week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing. I'm doing good. Okay. Hopefully, getting. Hopefully, getting some puppies soon. I'm really excited about ah, that. Ah, yes, we got two good boys. Hopefully, coming on. Well, a Whoa. girl and a female. Come, yo. I don't care if it's a male or a female. They're both good boys to me. They're all good boys to me. All don't right? do that. You know what? I'm just playing, but they, I'm be like, oh, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? I'm gonna still do, do it that. to the other who's one. Who's a good girl? Fine. Who's a good girl? Who's a good girl? Whatever. So what else you been up to? That's it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, you know, today with let's talk motor with let's talk motorsports, we're gonna do our regular stuff. But before that, definitely want to give a warning to the people. Of South America, so the people of South Northern America, if that makes sense, Bay. Um, yeah, for the Hurricane Laura that's supposed to be touching down at the border of uh, Texas and what Louisiana. Yeah, you know, I just I really want to send my prayers to those people, and I just say like, you know, get out while you can. I feel like it's it's a a good time to start evacuating. You know, trying to move upward or just really dodge what what um what's coming. Um, yeah, so. You know, I pray for everyone's safety. I pray that everyone gets out safe, no one's harmed and everything. So just run, as in like haul ass. Just just leave. Go. And I of course wish the same. I hope everybody comes out, you know, still on top of the game, still on top of everything. Hopefully your house or everything like that is not destroyed. Personal property, things like that. But as long as you and your family are safe, that's definitely a win. Um that's all I really gotta say. And uh with that, we're moving into the video games, babe. Come on. Oh yeah. So you got we got Project right. Cars three right. that's so, been released. Project Cars three has been released. It was released on August twenty fifth, and the PC version was or is going to be released to be released. I have no idea what today's date is. Today, I think is the twentieth. I think. All right. Well, then the PC version has been released today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about to be the 29th in one minute. Okay, well, the PC version has been released <laughs> today, and um, I definitely do have plans while getting my getting getting my hands on this game. I most definitely will be checking it out in the near future. Definitely not within like next week or the next few days, but definitely by hopefully the end of September. Um, Project Cars is basically. It's basically one of the best sim racing games you could find on console, aside from maybe Escorta or anything like that. Um, next on the list is WRC 9. That comes out in September, to be specific, September 3rd. That game, by far, one of the most superior when it comes to the World Rally uh, Championship style of games. And, of course, its next competitor happens to be Dirt 5, which does not have a release date yet. But it is still scheduled to be released for later 2020. So I'm going to guess at some point in November. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do it around December, around the Christmas time. That's a possibility. Um, but I would suggest or hopefully that they would do it in later November when people aren't buying, you know, Call of Duty and stuff like that. <sighs> now, with the video games aside, yes, I'm very passionate about them, but got to put them to the side. I'm going to start off with this Morbidelli Turn 2 article um, that I think really, I have no idea what it does, <laughs> but we talked about the major crash that occurred um, during the Austrian GP with riders Zarco and Morbidelli. Although I think Zarko Morbidelli is one person. <laughs> That's okay, though. That's okay. That's okay. But 
Morbidelli was a part of a major crash earlier on in the Austrian GP, and then moving on to the Styrian GP with the same track. He was a little bit cautious around that same space, um, or on that same turn that the crash occurred on, rather than you know going at nearly 300 kilometers per hour, or to the people in America, who I'm pretty sure are all the people that listen. Is about 200 miles per hour, damn near close. Um, rather than going that fast, everybody seemed to have held off and uh, seemed to take that turn a little bit more cautiously than they would on a normal basis, simply because of the fact that they realized things can happen and things can get ugly and things can be bad. Now I'm going to go ahead and read this article right here, and uh, then we're going to you know talk about it, and you're going to give you a little take on it, baby. All right? All right. So, Morbidelli escaped a near 200 mile per hour collision with Zarco. Okay, they're two different people. Okay. <laughs> At the fast turn to King without serious injury during the first Red Bull ring race and was back on his Patronus Yamaha for the Styrian GP. Though he said on Friday that he had no issues going through that section of the circuit, Morbidelli admits he was more cautious while running in the pack in the early laps of the race, but believes everyone was doing the same. I was a little bit shy in turn two, Morbidelli admitted, when he was asked if he was steadier through turn two in the first few laps. But I think like everybody, not just me, um, because I saw Johan making a similar uh, overtake that he did with me in turn two, it seemed like guys were giving themselves the ability to uh, margin. All right. They were slowing down to the way that just in case something were to happen, they could adjust and fix the problem and fix the issue and get back online and stay on track. Um. Morbidelli continues and not Morbidelli, Jesus. Yeah, it is Morbidelli. Morbidelli continues and says, so I think that every rider after the accident was more careful in that corner. Um that what, what's your take on it? What's your take on that? Um Yeah, I put some pressure on you, didn't I? <laughs> it really did. Um okay. go ahead. I don't really know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really know. Like, all right. Well, my take on this seems to really be about the fact that everyone is starting to to dial back their aggression. That to me is a good sign, all in all, simply because of the fact that guys don't want to have destroyed bikes. They don't want to, you know, cost their teams money. They don't want to. Honestly, I don't. They don't want to get injured, die, <laughs> anything of that nature. They don't want to experience. You know, something worse, possibly. Don't get me wrong. Zarco and Morbidelli came away with minor injuries, a couple of scratches, a couple of bruises, but they were all in all perfectly fine. The bikes were what really took the real damage. But that crash could have been a lot worse. Don't get me wrong, because the bikes not only went off track, but came back onto track, still hurtling at 200 miles per hour very wildly. Um, so it's to me it's probably one of the best outcomes that could possibly happen of riders now dialing back their aggression when it comes to taking on sweeping turns and taking on faster turns and i think that more like in the future of the of the sport that guys are going to continue to realize that certain areas you might slip up you might slip up and they might dial back a section or dial back they may lose you know a millisecond or so off the turn but i'd rather lose a millisecond then end up with a broken leg, and now I'm out for the next six races. You know, something like that. I see what you're saying, but why don't um like as a a sport itself, mm. why not have it to where it's like okay, around certain corners, yes, like you are required to, you know, require because that, I mean, it's dangerous. Like I know I get like the Isle of Man, like it's like go as fast as you can, fast as you can for as long as you can and get there, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like, you know, these races where it's just like okay, you're you're going around this track and you're trying to get past the finish line first. Um, I just feel like, you know, they just, they should really implement like around these corners and these bends, at least the really sharp ones and stuff, like just slow it down. Like you don't have to be dramatically slow it down, but safely, like to a safer, a safe, a safer speed. You know what I'm saying? Well, see the reason I like, I agree with the fact that riders are going being less aggressive on the turn, but I don't agree with the fact of slowing down. But, but what I'm saying, I'm not saying like. Like dramatic, like like not in the car, like where you're driving and uh -huh. you slow down, like you you know to turn or whatever. It's like I don't know. Like I, or, I'm trying to. Cause I don't know. Cause I know what you. I know like instead of going 
200 fucking miles an hour maybe maybe bring it down to one to 175 yeah you know like just just like small okay. changes could like really... but there are always still going to be those guys who are willing to push it people don't want to people i understand like guys that's are gonna why I said as a sport all like implemented not like that's okay it's take away option, from excitement yes it's, okay it's that's, gonna take away from the entertainment it, it will but I mean, honestly, like if I was one of these racers uh, and they implemented, you know, slower speeds around turns, I feel like, you know, okay, well, we need to take that step in that direction for the simple fact that they're doing this to make it safer for us. Because yes, we want to speed. Yes, we want to go fast. Yes, we want to win. But I would, ra- you know, I, I want to win, but I don't want to die for that. I don't want to, I don't want to. You'd be all right. In this case, <laughs> yes, they were all right. But like you said, this could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. And so it's like, yes, they made it out of this one alive and, you know, nearly untouched. But what are the next race they go? And they're just like, they're flying. They're just going and zoom, zooms, And then now, now they're dead because, the first, like, you know, they didn't, they didn't implement something for safety. Yes, helmets are safety and, the, and, their, and their, their body suits and stuff is safety. But, you know, if you're going at 200 miles per hour around a turn... You know, you got to come no. up with something Here's the better. thing. It wasn't even at the turn. It was leading up to the turn. <laughs> it was just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a sharp turn, but it's a turn that you most definitely can, like, it's a turn that you could take at very high speeds, basically. Like, you rarely have to slow down that much. And even if you do, it's not, it's not to the degree of slowing down to like 50 miles an hour. It's slowing down maybe. Well, not from that, but like, you know, well, I don't know. I just I mean, feel as though, I, I know fully well that these guys can do that and they do it all the time i've watched well, yeah, hundreds of races capable. they're more capable. than capable of doing it and doing it safely i just feel as though like that was a simple mistake on a rider's part simply because i believe something was i just i just think it was a mistake on the rider's part i don't think that as an organization they need to narrow down on that i think maybe riders need to spend more time on techniques or need to during qualifying laps or something like that realize that they can't push that limit i don't know i'm trying to rethink it now simply because happen. of the fact that it's not like regular fans and stuff on the track these are guys who are hard, hard nosed, fucking veterans on the MotoGP track. They know exactly what to expect. So I feel as though it might take away from the excitement the fact that they are now limited in the speed that they have to go. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm rethinking it. Not not necessarily because of the excitement part, but you know, because now like I've I've seen races where it's not even just like just turns or leading up to the turns where they crash. They could just. Go down yeah, on a straight. Yeah, just go in the straight. So it's I get yeah. I guess you know yeah. Uh, so that would mean that they would have to, because if they go down around a turn, now they slow down that turn, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say the next day another guy goes down on a straight. Now they have to slow down the straight. Mm-hmm. That's not no. It's, it's, yeah, okay. that's going to yeah, impede right. with so much going on, and now the excitement and, and stuff is gone because now that danger element is taken away. I'm saying I feel as though that's what makes like stuff exciting. Like when you watch football and stuff like that, people really go ooh to the jukes when niggas fall over, mm-hmm. to the big hits. You know what I'm saying? And stuff like that is what takes the eye. And I feel like with MotoGP, what takes the eye is the fact of going fast and crazy overtakes and battles of going all out, putting everything on the line to cross that finish line first. And I feel as though they shouldn't really do anything to touch that. They shouldn't do anything to mess with that. Um, just yeah. riders, take it a little bit easier. <laughs> Next is Miller. All right. Um, Jesus, do I know this guy's first name? I should. I should know his first name off rip. All right. Jack Miller admits that he was panicking. Sorry, was that too loud? (laughs) My bad. Jack Miller admits that he was panicking when Oliveira passed him on the final turn of the Styrian Grand Prix. Um I'm gonna guess championship race, honestly. Um I didn't catch most of this race. I honestly uh had to catch highlights, had to catch recaps that went on and um this is gonna be basically just a read off simply because of the fact that I didn't catch much of much of this uh race. I didn't catch that final turn. I didn't catch the final battle. But I did see the highlight that was definitely on the highlight reel of Miller's. I'm going I'm to just call it what it is. Fuck up on Miller's fuck up of panicking, um, even though, you know, he honestly had a victory or at least a second place uh, in his tight in his in his grasp. Um, I think he still pulled away with second. So that's very good on his part or at least third, I believe. 
But I feel as though, honestly, he should have had first if he uh, stayed within his line and stayed on the track. So I'm going to read this off, and they were going to talk about it, and uh, you're going to give it talks, all right? Your thoughts, not talks. Mm -hmm. All right, so the Pramac rider led the early laps of the Styrian GP before the red flag and headed to the pack and headed the pack for the first six laps of the restart. Having been passed by KTM's um, Aspagaro on lap seven, Miller retook the lead on the final tour and engaged in a thrilling tussle for the win through the final two corners. Coming up the inside of, Espar of Espargo, Espargaro, Jesus, at the last turn, both ran wide and allowed Tech 3's Miguel Oliveira to come through and claim his maiden MotoGP win. We just tried to reset, refocus for the sprint race, Miller said. Kind of reminded me of the old days in Australian Championship. 12 laps went real quick. Great little fight there at the end. I wasn't expecting Oliveira to come through. I thought it was between Paul and I, and if it was, I'd got him. I did what I needed to do, and then I just came out, and I looked at Paul, and then I heard engine noises up on the inside. It was Oliveira. I said, where did he come from? I was honestly panicking then because I thought there was going to be a line of them coming through. Miller hurt his right shoulder in a crash during... Damn, I can't figure that out. <laughs> I forgot what it is. I forgot what it is. Um, I'm going to guess during a qualifying during a qualifying lap and admits he was in excruciating pain on Saturday before undergoing an MRI at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. Finishing second in the Styrian GP now moves him into third in the standings and only four, 14 points adrift of championship leader Fabio Quatero though he refuses to categorically call himself a title contender. Last time I did that, I crashed out. So no, he said when he at when he was asked by motorsport.com if he sees himself as a title contender now. So, like I said, I did not see much of this race, just the highlights and the recap uh, by MotoGP on YouTube. And watching it now, and understanding the, I'm guessing, the fear that went through Mr. Miller. I want to know how did he swing so wide? I, I don't, you didn't see the video, but in the video, he swung so far, a good distance off track. Like, to the point where I thought he was going to be out of that race of pole, of pole, um, pole, a pole finish. And... He ended up coming back just drag racing, literally just back on the gas as hard as he can back onto the track to come in with a second place win. What's your take, man? Because I feel like someone as veteran or, or someone who has made it to the stage of MotoGP should mm -hmm. not be panicking if someone passes you. If anything, you should have more focus and buckle back down, especially on the last fucking lap on the last turn. It's not like it happened earlier on in that last lap and then you panic, regain yourself, try to fight back. It happened on the you were you were so focused throughout that entire thing. Are you telling me one person passing you had just made you panic and run wide that far? I, mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really speak on that because I don't, you know, I don't know, but I'm not a veteran. I'm not, I don't race in anything, but like when I'm like say when me and you are driving separately and I'm like racing you like home or something. I mean, I get nervous. I get nervous a lot, but I'm not a racer. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I can understand what you're saying because if somebody's coming up on the side of me or if I hear somebody on the side of me or see it, something like, I, I do panic. I don't, I mean, I don't swear out of the lanes and all that other stuff, but I, I panic, like, you know, not panic, but like, I kind of take, like, get attention real quick of, you know, what's happening. But for him to say, like, he felt like it was a line of people. I understand that because when I see the races and stuff, it's, it's not just like, they're not really spread out. They're all like going to, you know, different like they're just one passes and they pass right back and it's just it's usually like a, they're grouped. Mm -hmm. So for him, you know, being leader stuff and then for one person to pass, he probably assume like, okay, they're they're all coming, and I I, I don't know, maybe it just you okay. know messed up his mind a little bit and he just kind of he swung he probably I don't, I don't feel like he did it on purpose clearly. Yeah, I feel like it, it just happened. You know, he's panicking like oh shit, you know, all these, they're they're coming. I don't know. They're, they're I just feel so as let me, let me... if 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 that's what's going through your mind as a MotoGP racer, don't get me wrong. I don't have I don't have no experience with racing motorcycles, mm -hmm. but cars I do. 
with it, I've had those same type of moments where I'm in a good position, I get overtaken, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I missed that. Could Damn. you say it again? Siri, Please. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've been in a position where I've been overtaken. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you think someone else might be taken in that spot based off, you know, the fact that this guy you thought was way farther back is now closer. So maybe these people behind him right. are way closer than you expect. Mm-hmm. But then I just take up a defensive line. I block a path. Now that person behind me has to slow down. See, that thought process, I feel as though he should have had. That way he wouldn't have had to drag race the person in third for a second. That's the only re- He panicked, ran wide, and then had to regain all that speed that he lost by running wide and drag race the guy in third. I mean, I say don't judge him. Shit. I'm not. Ju- I'm just saying though. Uh, as yeah. Okay, I get he's it. He's made it to you, you, MotoGP you, status. That means he has raced in countless other races. Uh, he has raced and probably won plenty. Everybody's okay. Everybody's had those days. Cut him some slack. He's he's Bro. a he's good. You know. I he, feel as though he should have taken up a defensive line and cut in maybe a little bit tighter to protect that second position and then drag race himself to that finish line rather than having a swing wide and now drag race with third and damn near possibly the guy in fourth. Well, I say he's probably thinking the same, like he's probably sitting at home or maybe, you know, rewatching the race, something like, okay, maybe, you know, he's, ref- I feel like he has done a lot of reflecting Yeah. on this, okay. on this. And, yeah. you know, cause you know, it's not something that he does. Usually he's just, he's probably really upset with himself as well. You know, like, dang. I really should have, you know, you know, worked that situation differently. I really should have, yeah. you know. He still came away with second, so of course, props to him. Yeah, so um, I, I feel like, you know, cut on some slack. Shit. All right, all right, all right. hard on the guy. Okay, okay, okay. Shit, this is, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Um. What is yeah. that? I don't know where that puts. Oh yeah, on the championship board, he's only behind. He's second, or something like that, right? So cut him some slack. I think on the points board, he's pretty high up there. He just doesn't see himself as a title contender, which is bullshit. Because you're most definitely a title contender. You just got to stop panicking, my guy. <laughs> but uh, that's it for the Moto G. Oh wait, no, it's not. Moto America is moving on to the Ridge. Uh, the Ridge Park. Motorsports Park in Seattle, and we are about to. Is it Seattle? I'm not 100 sure. It might be California. Nope, nope. That's Monterey. In Seattle, all right. Um, we are. Well, I'm gonna be watching it. I've watched several of the qualifyings, and I am trying to see who I'm really picking for this because there's the Hono Superbike race as well as the Junior Cup. And, of course, there's the mini cup with the, I'm going to say kids, honestly, because they're kids to me. They're young, and but they're really talented. Um, we got, so, definitely check into Moto America. The qualifyings have started, and the racing, the race, the actual races have started as well. I believe they started today, actually. Um, I didn't catch none, but I definitely caught most of the qualifying. I will definitely have to check back with that to see where the championship and stuff stands. Um, I know there's probably going to be a few races that I'm going to miss, but I will go back, check on highlights, check all the details and all the news that I could get for that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) All right. And that is it with the Moto News. Now jumping into Formula One Grand Prix. Um, oh, wait, no, actually, we're going to jump into Ferrari. Now, Ferrari and their driver, Leclerc, has been in a little soft spot, has been in a little rough patch, simply because of the fact that they lost someone, they lost a member of their team earlier, and it was a tough racing uh, racing journey, um, well, race for them. Um, and I feel as though now they're dealing with other problems as well um, with the car that did not finish in Spain being Charles Leclerc's. Now, the article said, Leclerc had been in contention to score some points at the Cirque de, Cirque de Barcelona in Catalonia before his engine cut out after hitting a curb in the final sector, causing him to spin. 
While Leclerc was able to get back to the pits and have his seatbelts retightened after not expecting to rejoin the race, Ferrari opted to retire the car, later citing an electrical issue as the cause of its retirement. The team announced ahead of this weekend's Belgian Grand Prix that it has identified the cause of the electrical problem that forced Leclerc out the race in Spain and denying him the chance to score some points. Way I see this is honestly, I know that race just occurred. The Belgian Grand Prix just occurred recently today. Um, and we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. But I'm not 100% sure if he ended up back in that race. I'm pretty sure he did, but he did not come out with a pole position or anything like that. Um, Leclerc is very talented, but like I said, they're dealing with the loss of someone. And um, it's probably emotions are running high. I don't know what else to say. I just hope that Leclerc and the Ferrari team uh, can, you know, gather up whatever they can gather and keep pushing and keep fighting. That's all I got to say to them. Keep pushing and keep fighting, babe. I mean, yeah. I you know, I feel like, yeah, they retired the car or whatever, but they can't just, like, work on it or... I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really know. No, I'm just I'm saying that because I don't really know like how race cars and stuff work. Um, and they're saying it's an electrical issue. So is it like, and this is just my basic knowledge of cars. Okay. <laughs> is it just like like something with fuses or like you know like something small like how my windshield wiper transmission went? Off. First of all, I didn't even know windshield wipers had a transmission. But like you know, if it's something like that, you know, I, I feel like they they could um they could fix it. But you know how long? Do you know how long like this car has been used in the races? Oh yeah, they've probably been using that since the since the uh, the Grand Prix tour started at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they have very you know good teams and stuff like that. Um, high highly paid engineers, everything like that. So I, I I have no doubt that the car was ready. It's just I haven't checked up on the Leclerc situation, on the Ferrari situation with the uh, with the actual tournament, with the actual race, mm-hmm. the Belgian GP that happened today. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but I'm almost certain, almost certain. That if they say it's gonna be ready by this race, it's gonna be ready. That's just the way Ferrari work. That's just the way that I feel all F1 teams perform. And they about it about it. <laughs> they're not, not good. They're so not gonna like let no electrical team, issue. Then yeah, they'll get it done and he'll be ready. I know, I know he's probably bummed out about um not being able to score points and stuff though. Yeah, that does come back to bite you in the butt. But I feel like Leclerc is Charles, he's he's someone who who can perform. So he's, I'm saying like like because he missed out, like, will he be able to, um, like, bounce back from that? Do you Probably. Think? I just feel as because they're suffering. The, I don't know who they lost. That's what I'm. But um, during this, when I was actually watching this one, um, over like this, this the uh, like the commentators, mm-hmm. they was talking about that he had lost somebody, um, someone close. You know what I'm saying? And with the team and all that, and um, that he should. Not well, not he should, but that is going to be a difficult race for them with him with emotions running, you know, on high and self esteem and then confidence stuff like that run a little bit low simply because of the fact that they lost somebody. Um, now moving on to the Concord Agreement article and what it means for the future of F1, baby. You can go ahead and read that. All right. F1 announced last Wednesday that the entire grid had met the early sign deadline for the new concrete agreement, committing to the revised commercial terms that will last from 2021 to 2025. At the heart of the new agreement is a more equal distribution of prize money, which is part of F1's drive to make the sport more sustainable and competitive. The revised commercial terms will work in tandem with the 2021 budget cap and the updated technical regulations that will come into force in 2022. Mysteries F1 Chief Wolf said ahead of this weekend's Belgian Grand Prix that it was no surprise to see all 10 teams sign up, but he nevertheless felt pleased to see talks get across the line. Wolf also predicted that F1 would face some of the biggest changes in its history as a result of all the planned changes. We have always said that we wanted to stay in F1, so the agreement wasn't necessarily all that surprising, Wolf said. 
but we're happy that we could bring the negotiations to a positive conclusion. We are committed to our sport and we're looking forward to the upcoming years, which will see the biggest transition F1 has ever seen. This reward, this will reward agile, open-minded teams who can adapt successfully to the demands of the new rules. Okay, what did, what did any of that mean to you? Anything meant to you? Anything meant anything to you? Honestly, when I read stuff, I had to read like three or four times to actually, you know. You're so one of those you go ahead and <laughs> explain it, and then maybe I'll catch on. <laughs> I mean, there isn't really much to explain. It just it it literally goes down the line of what you said. I know he's okay. So he's saying um. I know some about the prize money and stuff like it being equally distributed or something like that. Or they're trying to find out, find a better, more efficient way to distribute the prize money and stuff. I think. That is somewhat around uh, the right terms, but it's not just necessarily prize money, but more of funds in general, simply because of the fact that F1 and you know the racing teams and stuff like that all prosper throughout the sponsorships and things of that nature. Yes, prize money is is a big focus, but not necessarily the main focus. I think it's more of the sponsorships and 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 the stuff that narrows in. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel as though you know with with these new rules and with these um new things going on, you know, I myself don't have much access to the to the full you know contract and stuff like that but but um i think it'll be beneficial to making you know the uh the racing more sustainable um definitely making it way more competitive as now teams you know still have that same push still have that same drive now knowing that things are not going to be more evenly dis- distributed and knowing that things are going to be a little bit more Competitive with the fact that now more teams have to adapt and, and formulate new plans on victory and new plans to win. Simple as that. Uh, now, moving on to German uh, touring masters. Robert Kubica says he's losing about 90% lap time on straights in the German touring car masters tournament. All right. He's a Formula One convert. You know, he used to play, used to race in a Formula One, and now he's um, a part of the German touring class. So, Kubica has yet to score a point after the opening three rounds of the 2020 season in August, with his best results being a pair of 13th place finishes at the sprint layout of the Lassa String. <laughs> the Polish driver said after the first of the Lausitz rounds that something bigger is holding back his performance, but couldn't pinpoint where exactly his ART run BMW M4 was lacking compared to the six factory BMW entries. But following the conclusion of the third round run on the Grand Prix layout of the Lausitz string, the 35 year old says he now understands what is preventing him from showing his true potential in the category. One of the problems his car is how the car accelerates Kubica told, I'm guessing a reporter, this name is very difficult for me to pronounce, <laughs> 90% of, 90% or even all of my loss in qualifying has been incurred on straights, and it's not because I'm hitting the gas too late, but we lack acceleration. We have to retune the car, we have to tune the car differently because of the straight line deficit, but later in the races, it does not do much either because the car also lacks grip. When you have new tires, somehow you can mask this problem. But on long distances, uh-uh. So, all I'm hearing is excuses now. Let me stop. <laughs> I know that Rubica, if he feels as though that's what the case is, that's probably what the case is. He is by far a talented um, driver, talented racer, and I feel as though, yo, whatever... His team need to step it up. His team need to figure out what the what the problem is, find a solution, and well, they know what the problem is, but they need to figure out where they're losing this power and find a solution. And hopefully, it's a good thing they discovered this at the beginning of the season. It's not like other cars were holding back or anything like that, and they were moving slow or things of that nature. It's not like they 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 discovered this in the last few races of the season. You know, no. 
they discovered this early on and they can do something about it early on. And sure enough, hopefully in the next round, they can really open up that car on straights and get them some new tires. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard to get some new tires that grip. It should not be that hard. And of course, in the touring car, you know, masters, that is long distance driving, long distance racing. So most definitely get them some good tires and continue to get them some good tires and Rubica will perform for you. Maybe. I mean, I agree. I don't really have no much to add to that. Ah. So. What's up? The pod. <laughs> so, uh, Rubica is in about 11th place um, at the moment with everything that's going on in, in his racing and uh, journey. So. Definitely want to see, hopefully, the team does pull away with everything they need to pull away with. And we'll see him climb the ranks and definitely end up in the pole positions leading up to, of course, final rounds, final races, and him having a shot at getting the championship. Now, I said I was going to get to it. And I done got to it. F1. What happened today? The Formula One. Belgian GP. Who took first place? Who took second? Who took third? I'm going to say it like this. Verstappen. Was whooping. Ass. That's the review. <laughs> No, 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 no. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Um, After rain had fallen during the Formula 3 qualifying session, shortly before the F1 second practice got underway at Spa, they took about an hour and a half to dry out. Um, This rain is scaring me sometimes. The thunder? You don't hear the thunder? (laughs) Uh, you got the big headphones on. I'm sorry, fellas. Uh, there's some thunder outside. It freaked me out a little bit. But um, okay. Like motorcycles, but you're scared of a little thunder. No, I'm not scared of the thunder. It just came in a little bit loud. That's all. <laughs> um, yeah, in the F1 race, it came up like this: Verstappen was first, Ricardo was second, and uh, Lewis Hamilton, coming off his first place win. From the previous race in the Spanish GP, he is now in third. Uh, well, in points, he's still in first, obviously, simply because of the fact that he's came in first plenty of times. But Verstappen definitely stepped up to the game, stepped up to the plate, and held it down. Um, he was leading the much higher in profile, uh, R- Ricardo, and he showcased that he has the ability to fight off anyone that's willing to overtake. And dealing with the conditions that they did have um, from the free practices, not only with the track being wet, but also, you know, having to wait for the dry out. I know that's tiring, fatigue, not necessarily fatigue, but it's more of like impatientness. Um, he most definitely has stepped up to the plate and did what he had to do in order to come away with a victory. Now, I don't know what that means for him going into the next round. I don't know where he stands on the grid, but I'm sure it's still it's, it's pretty high. I'm sure it's pretty high. And I know that it's still going to be very competitive. Lewis Hamilton still in first in the points uh, battle, and I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there throughout the entirety of the season, throughout the entirety of the tournament, throughout the entirety of the global tour. Last but not least, I am a thorough, thorough Harley Davidson fan. But you know this. Yes, you know no. this. Which is weird because I'm African American. But there's a lot of African Americans that ride Harley Davidsons. I'm not I'm not crazy. Nah, it's just that like if I were to say that around certain people, they'd be like, What? You like Harley Davidsons? Yeah, I do. Like, I thought she was more like a sport bike guy. No, I'm not. <laughs> My granddad drove Harley Davidson. Yeah, but he's old. You know what I'm saying? Well, he's older. Old. He's older. My Seasoned. point. 
<laughs> like Lowry's <laughs> seasoned salt. No, but um, yeah, I, I am truly a fan of Harley Davidson motorcycles. I am truly a fan of the company, truly a fan of the story, and definitely a fan of the bikes. I know for a fact that Harley Davidson is by far one of the best dealers and. Honestly, I mean, I've been to the dealers before. I didn't buy anything, but one of the best dealership experiences I've had. Baby, you's a window shopper. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I know fully well I'm a window shopper. Them bikes is pricey, boy, but they so perfect. Oh, my God. They're so awesome. Now, in 2018 and later, Harley-Davidson Softail owners are looking for a significant power upgrade. They now have access to the Harley-Davidson Screaming Eagle Milwaukee 8 131 crate engine with peak output is pumped up to 124 horsepower and a gut-wrenching 135 foot-pounds of torque at the rear wheel. According to a Harley-Davidson spokesman, when you add Screaming Eagle street cannon mufflers, this is the output that you can get. Additionally, it's happy to run at high RPMs. Which is something that Harley Davidson's usually don't do. They run in the mid to low RPM range. That's where they have the most torque. That's where they can perform. So like you'll be cruising down the highway, like in a car, like in my truck, I can cruise down the highway. At 93 miles an hour. At 90 miles an hour. And I haven't even gone past 2,000 RPMs. <laughs> Whereas on, you know, on the bike, you cruise at that, not at 90, but like you, you cruise at 75, 85 miles an hour and be at like 4,000 RPMs chilling. Now, if they're sport bikes, they're more, their power band starts at higher RPMs. So when the speed really kicks in, is at higher RPMs. For cruisers that Harley Davidson specializes in, it starts off way lower than that. So that's why you might see um, like a cruiser and a sport bike if they were to have a competition. The cruiser might stay like it's going to stay up with the sport bike for a short period of time. Then at some point in time, that sport bike is going to take off and just pull away. Simply because of the fact that they have that higher power band, but they still carry that speed. They don't have much torque, but they have the high power band and way more horsepower, of course. Now, Screaming Eagle 131. What does that mean? What does that bring to the table? That's 131 cubic inches of raw power, baby. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that for so long. <laughs> um, it's a different type of engine size. That's all I can really tell you, baby, because you look puzzled. You look you look confused. Are you confused? No, you got it. Okay. Yeah, it's just a very it's just a very big engine of I think 2200 or so R uh 2200 or so CCs, um, which is just size of the engine. Cubic compression, stuff like that. The Screaming Eagle is generally a big board kit. It uses the Milwaukee A114's 4.5 inch stroke with a cavernous 4.31 inch bore to get a 2151 cc of power. Is we just gonna move that up to twenty two hundred simply because of the fact that that's what most bikers, not bikers, but that's what most manufacturers do. So like uh, with Kawasaki, they have the ZX six R. It's not actually six hundred CCs; it's six hundred thirty six CCs. And other bikes is five ninety nine CCs, but they just bump it up and make it six. Now, with the intense power, is a reward all its own. The Screaming Eagle one thirty one crate engine. Also has styling touches that make sure everyone knows your soft tail is packing serious firepower. Oh, yeah. This stuff was already on, like, the CVO touring classes, but now it is available for soft tails. Now, me personally, my favorite is the Road King. I want one. That is the dream bike for me. And if it had the 131, best believe <laughs> you ain't going to see me for a minute. I'm going to be out on the road and just on the road. <laughs> For a long, long time. But uh, there is a 131 stage 4 badging on each cylinder head as well as the timing cover. Plus, there are two finishes, black and chrome, as well as black and gloss black. If you have the Harley, if you have Harley Davidson install the 131 in your new soft tail, it gets the same 24-month manufacturer's warranty as your motorcycle. When and you get sixty day, you get a sixty day window to decide if you still want it on your motorcycle. 
when the motor is installed by Harley Davidson. If it's installed in a Harley Davidson older than 60 days, the warranty is of the 12 month factory limited variety and it must be installed by a dealer. Now we already know that the 131 fits 2017 or later Harley Davidson touring models and not any trike models. Softails are now part of the compatible package though not all models. Harley-Davidson hasn't revealed which soft tails work with the 131 power plant because the 131 motor uses the standard 114 stroke. We surmise that the soft tail 114s are immediately compatible. Uh, check with your Harley-Davidson dealer for details. I'm going to be almost certain because I've seen it done and I've seen plenty of videos on plenty of videos on what bikes are compatible or what, you know, what style of bike that person has that they go check to see if it's compatible. And so far, it's what I believe to be Road King and Heritage, I believe. Now, the air-cooled Screaming Eagle Milwaukee 8 131 runs at about six grand or 6200 Um, And if you want the twin-cooled version... The price tag is about $6,400, just $200 higher. Um, some older models will require clutch and oil pump upgrades at additional cost. Also, everyone gets to pay for an ECM recalibration via the Screaming Eagle Pro Street Tuner if they want all the power to be unleashed. Now, me personally, I don't have a Harley Davidson. Would I love one? Most definitely. Will I pay almost seven grand? To get the, that power up? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. I will stick with the standard 114 factory engine and take my behind down the road. I don't, I, it's personally. I that, feel like if we had it like that. Then you yeah, if I had it like that, most definitely. Oh, what? In a heartbeat. <laughs> but I feel as though I, if, if you ain't got the money, if you ain't got the coin and you're trying to scrape up and save for that, it ain't worth it, man. Stick with the bike that you got. Do whatever you need to to make that bike better with um you know you can put a turbo on it um or you could just you know make it the bike even more comfortable make the bike even more modded out more special more custom and more unique to you rather than spending six grand on just the engine and you have to pay for the extra stuff that goes into putting the engine on your bike so how much is the bike okay let's see the bikes that it's compatible with are starting at like 15 grand and above Brand okay, so new. You buy the bike and then you buy the engine. And then you also have to buy the engine, yes. Because the bike normally comes standard. Okay, but well, here's the thing. So you spend about twenty to twenty five grand. Well, you're getting the bike and then you're getting so the bike you said is what, fifteen to twenty grand? Yeah. And then you're buying the engine, engine. which is another is what, seven grand? Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's in the twenty five grand range. Okay. But you know, there's other the, then they have the CVO models. Now this engine came with CVO models. The CVO models are 30 grand, almost 40 grand, depending on who you go to. Now, obviously it's good to get that power of a CVO, but with the price tag of a freaking Road King. I would love that. That would be great. Um, but just to come up with six grand out of nowhere that you most definitely have to pay. No, I don't think, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to go about that. Obviously there are plenty of people who are willing to pay that price, who are willing to pay that price tag. If I had it, I would, but I don't. So I shan't, therefore I can't. And really I would definitely, roll. huh? You were really on a roll. <laughs> I was going to keep, I was going to try to keep it going, but I couldn't think of anything else around. But I know fully well if I had it, I would definitely do it. But I would say definitely do not go out of your way to try and get that engine. Do not go out of the way. Um, it's compatible with the more touring side of the soft tail lines. And it's compatible with, I'm guessing, all touring models and all 114s. Um, immediately compatible with all the stuff that has the 114 Milwaukee 8 in it. Now, I'm going to say this is it for... Let's talk motorsports with me, the greatest host in the world, Tyreek, alongside my baby, Nay. If you guys want to check me out on social media, definitely feel free to hit me up. Feel free to let me know about your 
thoughts at uh, Tyree Waldron. That's T-A-R-I-G-W-A-L-D-R-O-N. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know what you feel. Uh, follow me too. Shit, I need some followers. Um, and also, if you, well, you shouldn't want to, but you know, maybe. Well, if you feel like shouting out your socials or whatever. Or you can follow me on Instagram at mighty.nay, M-I-G-H-T-Y dot N-A-Y. Also on Snapchat, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, Robinson.Nasia, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N underscore. I think they know how to spell Robinson. Or is it underscore or dot? I don't know your Twitter. Not by heart. Let me look at it. It don't matter. Wait, no, because I can't like half-ass. Yes, you can. No. Yes, you can. Okay, it's, it's no dot. Oh, wait. It's at Robinson. Nasia. So at R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. N-A-J-Y-A. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Thank you for stopping by. Um, honestly, one more thing. One more thing before I go. I forgot to say this before I actually started up the outro and started uh, you know, the exit. But RIP to Chadwick Bozeman. Um, so so horrible to see another king gone. First it was Black Panther, first it was Black Mamba, now it's the Black Panther. Definitely a sad moment in time. 2020, what is going on? Um, RIP to him. Hope the family uh, my, my prayers and thoughts are out with the family. Um and everyone that's, that, that's, that has been a fan of him, he has brought King T'Challa to life. He is a legend, and he will forever be that. Thank you for everything you've done with movies. You know, I am a movie buff. I just love watching movies, especially action movies and stuff of that nature. Message to the King, his Netflix specials, or Netflix, you know, you, uh, Netflix originals and stuff like that. Definitely a high-quality person and a high-quality actor. Um, but he was a person first. And he has family behind him, and I know that they're riding, and they they're going to be grieving for a moment. They're going to be grieving for a while. My prayers go out to them. Baby, anything? No, I'm not the same. All right. Um, that's it for this episode of Let's Talk Motorsports. Listen in for the next one, baby. You know what to do. Peace. <laughs>